Where's this team been all year long? Yeah, that's one of the many things Britt Venable said earlier this week in Amarillo at the OU Caravan. But new show, who dis? That's right, Friday edition of The Rush. We welcome in Travis Davidson in, who's going to be with us for the next several Fridays with me in the afternoon from 3 to 6. And i got to say, I'm super jacked about this. And Travis, I know you are too. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, I appreciate it. I couldn't be more excited about this. I know uh, that phrase is used pretty commonly, but but I truly don't think uh, I don't think I'm exaggerating here. Yeah. So you and I got the opportunity to host a post game show together after the spring game. It was awesome. Um, Teddy decided that he wanted to spend more time with his family. Absolutely respect that. He wanted to take Fridays off. So the obvious choice was to say, "Hey, man, Travis is." Been joining us for a spot every single week on Locked In. Let's get him in from 3 to 6. And nothing changes content-wise because Travis is all about what we already talk about, which is college football, which is recruiting, and which is sooner. So this is going to be a lot of fun. And, and maybe later on this hour, we'll give uh, people the chance to hear your story and how you came from starting a Twitter space, what, 48 hours after uh, Lincoln left for SC? to how you're in the studio uh, right now hosting this afternoon drive radio show. That'll, that'll be a lot of fun to, uh, to talk about. But you heard the, uh, the clip at the, at the top of the hour. That was uh, BV uh, Tuesday night in Amarillo. Sounded like a little bit of a shot. Am I, am I wrong about that? Am I the only one that took that away? Like, dang, where's this team been all year long? They're up 30-3 against a pretty good Oregon team. To be fair, uh, that team all year long was very close, as we were told. They were close. Um, we we were just, I guess, too dumb to see it that they were that close. But uh, no, it's it, it, it was absolutely a you know a little jab. A lot of people that I talked to uh, were like, "Oh, was that a was that a shot at Coach Stoops?" No, it's not a no, no, absolutely no, not. He'd be the last person. And also, could you imagine anybody walking in and thinking it's a good idea to take a shot at Bob Stoops? Yeah, uh, you know, being the new, that would that'd be horrible. But um, no, I I love that he's being honest about it, and that's the kind of cool things you get those things in media days sometimes. But this caravan, uh, I was lucky enough to go to the one in Tulsa. You know, there's a lot of donors there there are a lot of fans there are a lot of people you're trying to get them amped up you're trying to get them amped up about the program uh, I think Porter and Jenny both did a fantastic job um, of doing that and it's it's great to see their chemistry together um, but yeah I mean you usually get a lot of great quotes in these caravans and add that quote to the to the pantheon I guess well we had another one last night in Duncan by the way this should be on a t-shirt Soft hands don't wear championship rings. How, how awesome is that? That is a Brent Venables quote if I've ever heard it before. Soft hands don't wear championship rings. And it feels like that one sentence in a lot of ways kind of sums up everything that he wants to build this, in this program right now. It's like we got to build toughness, man, I- inside out. And when he's talking about stripping everything down to the studs Tuesday night, I mean that's what he's referring to, man, is they got to bring – a level of toughness and a level of discipline that was not in the program before he got here. Uh, he he mentioned some things last night in Duncan that, you know, basically, Travis, every kid that they're recruiting, they have someone doing a social media report every single week. So who's ever in charge of this is going to the recruits, looking at their timeline, looking at everything that they're putting out on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, and that's helping them filter who they really want. 
you know, they're not just evaluating guys based on film, based on stars. They're going deep, man. They're evaluating what kind of kid they are, what kind of content they're putting out on social media. And if you don't meet a certain requirement, if you don't meet a certain level of what they're looking for, it doesn't really sound like it matters if you're a five-star and run a 4-3 coming out of high school. you got to be a certain level of kid for the staff to, to recruit you. Yeah, I mean, Brent Venables has talked about you recruit your problems. And I think, especially with this generation of recruits, I mean, I grew up, not necessarily grew up on, on social media. I remember when I graduated high school and was, was coming to OU, uh, Facebook was still a specific college application and each college kind of had their own hub if you will so i remember getting my ou.edu email address going in signing into facebook for the first time because my older sister oh, yeah. ashley who was at arkansas already had a facebook and, and this that and the other well this generation i mean i'm pretty sure when they're born they have their their twitter handle on their birth certificate and they tell you a lot about who they are um, in the in those tweets and i think I think it's brilliant by the staff. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that I would have made it public, made it publicly known that I was doing that because that kind of feels like a little ace in the hole to be like, "Hey, look, I know that I'm getting this recruit and I've combed their social media, you know, we're getting exactly who we think we're getting as opposed to now he puts it out there and maybe there's some deleted tweets, maybe there's some, you know, some some people acting out of character i'll put it that way um so i kind of you know i kind of would have liked to have that uh kept that a little closer to the chest but i do think the practice in general is extremely uh smart because because they're giving you information about themselves and in 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 such an important job you need to gather as much information as possible i mean you're putting you know the program in the hand of these you know 17 18 year old kids and you're putting a lot of resources into this. So, yeah, gather as much information as you can. Yeah, and Venable said last night that this isn't a bulletproof plan. Like, this way to go about filtering out recruits does not in itself just guarantee success and that every single player is going to pan out, but it's just a step. It's another step to help filter in who you want in the program because they want a certain level of – they want a certain level of dude. They they got a what they got a three star earlier this week in uh, in Caleb Spencer, mm-hmm. and you know I, I think the casual recruiting fan and I fall victim of this at times is you see okay three star and you totally make your decision on this kid based on how many stars next to his name. But if you do a little bit more research, you say whoa 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 whoa, whoa. this kid's six three. This kid plays in the secondary. This kid's 200 pounds. Whoa, then I watch his film. This kid looks violent on film. So they're doing I, – I, I, I don't think that necessarily matters star level. Uh, we, we saw that with, with last year's class – or we see it with this year's class too. So they're just – they're evaluating, I think, a lot differently than what, how the previous staff was evaluating. It's what I can tell. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's, of course, w- what you lead with, right? It's it's if you say, hey, we got a recruit today. Oh, really? Who is he? Man, he's a 6'3", 200-pound, heavy hitter, violent hitter. Uh, you know, I, I, I think if you go by that context, nobody's going to be like, well, 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 wait a minute. How many stars does he have? Um, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of the uh, stars matter, um, team stars matter. There's no doubt about that because um, I, I do think there's obvious correlation and mountains of evidence of 
the, the higher rated you are, then more likely you'll be a first or second round draft pick. There's a reason that you know Georgia with 35 five stars on defense, it felt like, had the the craziest uh, defensive draft that we've ever seen. Um, there, so there's definitely value in that, and I do think over time the evaluators have gotten a lot better. Um, your rivals and your two four seven, and obviously. Um, like on three starting to to do their own rankings and I think they've just gotten better with that with more resources and and more of an onus put on recruiting Um, but something we've seen from this staff kind of that we didn't see from the last staff and maybe not to say that we didn't see it but the priorities maybe shifted a bit you look at a guy like by Job and by Job with the last staff was maybe looked at as as a project he hasn't played a lot of football and I think some of the last staff thought, well, let's just go ahead and get a guy that already is developed. We just have to kind of point him in the right direction, put him in the right place. Yeah. We don't really have to develop him. Whereas now, you're like, we've seen this this staff at other places. You, you give them the clay, they'll mold it into what you want. And that's why I thought it was so impressive when Venables got hired that I don't think there's another coach in the country, especially not another coach that – was available to us at the time or that is a first-time head coach that could have assembled this staff. I mean, getting Todd Bates alone is incredible, but even on the upside, that turnip seed, um, get Jay Valai to come over. Uh, How about Co- McGill Chavis? Coach Chavis he, is going to be a star. He's and, been the biggest surprise. I, mean, I didn't know anything about him, but now I'm like, yeah, this, he's a dude. Man. Well, and that's a breadcrumb-type situation because obviously when, when their contracts were made public, obviously, um, you know, they have to make those numbers public. When that came out, I think everybody was like, oh, my, like he's getting paid a good amount. So that kind of gave me my first hint that, like, okay, this guy's got to be an upcoming star. Like, there, there's no way they would have just been like, you know what, we just – I don't know. I don't know if he can coach, but he just seems real nice. So we're going to go ahead and, you know, have these resources put aside for him. So uh, he's been a, an upcoming star. And, and just the experience – I mean, we've got – 13 national title appearances combined on the defensive staff now. Uh, we had zero uh, prior to it. Yep. So I think just with that, not only do they not only do they have that experience, but they have the reputation and just the evidence of, give me a by Job. Give me a Caleb Spencer. Give me whoever. And I know that I can coach this person. Isaiah Simmons was a three-star. Yeah. It, it, and it, everybody wants to be Isaiah Simmons now. It reminds me of a story that Bob Stoops told Teddy and I a few weeks ago is, you know, Dan Dan Cody's recruitment. Everyone remembers Dan Cody around here coming out of Ada. And I guess there were all these position coaches on staff at the time that wouldn't want to necessarily commit to him. You know, like, eh, I don't know, like maybe he's not this for us, or maybe he's not that. Bob is like, okay, look, I'm going to offer the kid. I'll offer him. <laughs> Y'all figure it we'll out. figure it out where we put him. And they did. They put him at defensive end, and uh, he ended up being one of the best defensive ends in, in all of college football by the time he was out of there. So that that's kind of what you're saying, and I agree with it. reminds me of definitely early 2000s Bob Stoops is, all right, we see an athlete. We see a kid who's extremely strong, extremely fast, extremely physical. Yeah, we don't exactly know where he's going to fit right now. But we'll figure it out. We'll develop him, and we'll figure out where he fits best. And at some point, he's going to turn into a player. So I I like that mindset of things rather than, I don't know, this could be a little bit of a project. Let's hold off on that and get someone who's actually played football for more than four years. Yeah, and I I think you can look at it from even just the offers. And if you hold – I know – 
Brent has talked about this, Coach Venables has talked about this uh, um, over and over, is the Oklahoma offer is valuable. Uh, you know, the, the official visits, those are valuable. We want to make sure that those are being valued, right? So if you are a defensive player and you get an offer from Brent Venables, arguably the best defensive mind, you know, the last 20, 23 years, when you look at really just, you know, his team's tackles for loss, the sacks, the national title appearances, the national title wins, everything like that, from just from a coordinator perspective, if that guy offers you on defense, who who am I, you know, who am I to be like, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if this guy's got, uh, you know, if he can be developed or anything like that. If Brent Venables has put his stamp on it, then – I guess I just have to wait until he's proven wrong because he hasn't been yet. Sure. Uh, by the way, text line, hit us up, 405-651-3439. Someone said earlier, uh, quit exchanging uh, pleasantries, get back to booty talk. We, we will. <laughs> we, we will do that at some point. It's time. Welcome, Travis. Let's go. That's from, the, uh, that's from Tommy and Cash. Uh, welcome, TD Touchdown Travis Davidson from Tinker Air Force Base. Nice. Look at that. From Cash to Tinker, you got fans everywhere. Tell you what. Burley Boomer, who I know is in Burleson, Texas, is welcoming you to the show. Uh, welcome, to Tra- welcome, Travis Davidson. I'm going to call you TD Cafe. You'll do awesome. And remember, Kobe McKenzie hates corn. <laughs> that is a, good uh, for Nebraska sp- game. That's a Twitter space uh, inside joke, correct? Yep. We ask the hard-hitting questions on the Twitter space, like, what food do you hate? You know, that's what everybody wants to know. And turns out Kobe McKenzie hates corn, which is which is was odd to me. Yeah. Hey, keep the text coming on this Friday. We're gonna have a lot of fun, talk a lot of football. So I've been seeing a lot of your comments out there. Not talking about Travis, I'm just talking about you, OU fans. And there's some of you, not all of you, but some of you that are saying, All right, we with this new stadium improvement. We've got to get to 100,000 seats. It's imperative that we roll into the SEC with a 100,000-seat stadium. Is that really all that important? We'll talk about that with Travis coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. It's the Homeless Sooner fans on a Friday. It is the rush on a Friday, Friday edition, because that means Travis Davidson is in alongside me today. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson inside the Brown O'Haver studios on this Friday afternoon. OU softball closes it out. They win uh, over Iowa State 5-0. They'll play in the championship game tomorrow of the Big 12 tournament over Oklahoma State and, or winner of Oklahoma State and Texas. OSU and Texas play at 4 o'clock, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll monitor that game, let you know at the end of the show who OU is going to play tomorrow. By the way, Travis, I will be in Houston next Tuesday for the OU Coaches Caravan. I'm going to load up on a flight in the morning and come back at night, do a little bit of a day trip. But excited to see all of our uh, Houston ref listeners down there. And just like the Duncan, Amarillo, and Tulsa trip, if you're coming to the OU Coaches Caravan in Houston, show me you have the ref app and you're going to leave with the free T-shirt. Those free T-shirts have been hot at these uh, past two caravans, man. The, those have been a lot of fun seeing OU fans from, from all over the corner. It's been cool, man. Yeah, I, I had a great one, a great time at the one in Tulsa. Um, what I like about 
what I've found it about T-shirts whenever we're giving them away at uh, like the post-game show or at these caravans. They're not all 5XL, <laughs> you know, shirts. Uh, uh, that's that's kind of convenient. You go to some uh, some of these, you know, basketball games, T-shirt cannons type stuff, and you get it, and it's it's more of a snuggy type situation. So it's actually cool. I, I, I wore one of my shirts yesterday. Um, probably should have worn it today. I'll, uh, I'll get better at that. Yeah, but yeah, next Friday. Luckily, it's radio, not video. Uh, so. Text line. Text line said, Drew England says, hey, Tyler, is Travis wearing his bucket hat? He's not wearing a bucket I think this is the first time I've ever – I've ever seen Travis not wearing the bucket hat. He's got a backwards hat on today, which I don't know if the headphones would work all that well with the bucket hat. See, yeah, you have to take that into consideration. You know, we're you know performance matters. You know, so it's you know I didn't want to come in here and be fumbling around with a bucket hat. I actually, um, you know, Uncle Uncle Colin Coward would be be happy with me because I I actually had it forward. I was a, I'm a hat forward wow. guy typically, but. With the headphones and and I've got I got the the mic stand type situation. I was like, you know what? I better throw it backwards. Um, speaking of general booty, uh, I'm gonna throw it backwards so I can wear the mic better or wear the headphones better and not hit the mic. So you were Russell Wilson. Now you're back to being a Baker Mayfield. It's essentially was what you are. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Douglas Miles. I think he's up there in Iowa. He says, "Congratulations, Travis. Go get him." Uh, tra- uh, welcome, Travis, from Boy City up in the Panhandle. Uh, a lot of people, Kendall, saying uh, school from Owasso. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, man. Travis is hashtag more than a bucket hat. That's, That's right. Great. That's great to see. Just great to see on the text <laughs> line. All right, uh, teased it before the break, man. A lot of people saying – not a lot of people. I shouldn't say a lot of people. Some people on the text line today saying – OU's going to have the ninth largest stadium in the SEC when they roll into that conference. You've got to expand the seating. You've got to get to 100,000. Um, I'm not a huge proponent of that, and, and I'll list the reasons why, but I'm curious as to where you're at on staying at 87,000 or wherever it's at or expanding to 100,000 in the future. Man, I, I, I get that the 100,000 number is you know, a big deal to some. It's a measuring contest, if you will. Yeah, I said that yesterday, uh, yes. But you have to look at the future of college football, the future of live sports really in general. <laughs> you know, you've got new technologies coming out by the day. I think you can get a 70-inch TV for, you know, five or six bucks now. Uh, I mean, the technological advancements um, are, are rapid, right? right? So I'd like to think that we plan for that. So I we've seen seven straight years now. Um, start 2014, we've seen 2014 2021 go down seven consecutive years in college football attendance. Yep. Obviously, Oklahoma and some of our new counterparts in the SEC, we feel are immune to some of that. Um, but it catches you eventually. Those trends start catching eventually because let's be honest, if if we're in late November. And you got somebody that maybe they got season tickets and they're like, man, I got to go sit in the upper deck and it's 12 degrees, you know, and it's windy. Maybe there's rain in the forecast, all that. Or I've got a 75-inch TV, a cooler full of beer, and there's no lines for the bathroom. Eventually, some people are going to say, look, man, it's just it's just a better experience. So I do think uh, the hiring of Tyler Kofer. Um, is going to be huge for us. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, he was with the Vegas Golden Knights. Good dude. Um, he, great really dude. dude. Great dude. Uh, got the uh, um, opportunity to meet him at the Caravan in Tulsa. And if you haven't 
ever seen the intros for the Vegas Golden Knights, you're missing out. I mean, they are full-blown Vegas. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And to, to get him you know, kind of in the fold here at OU, I do think the game day experience is going to be improved. Not to say that it necessarily needed improvement, but you know, when you have the opportunity to hire somebody like that, you do it. Um, so when it comes to stadium size, I mean, from 2019, of those seven years that we've seen a, a straight decline in seven straight years, they, they took out 2020 for obvious reasons. But the decline from 2019 to 2021 was the greatest of those years at sure. 4%. Yeah. Uh, 4% is a lot, you know, especially when you look at some of the stadium sizes that we're talking about. I would personally like to see um, just improvements, take that money to improve other, other parts of the uh, arena, whether it's different technology, better Wi-Fi. I know that had been discussed. Uh, better Wi-Fi, um, you know, update the bathrooms, uh, update concessions, uh, whether you put in another concourse up top, maybe you get slightly wider seats, anything like that. It's, I think there are a lot of ways that you can spend that money that, you know, we talk about Brent Venables saying that the OU offer should be coveted. I think the season ticket should be that's, coveted, that's too. That's a great point. I no. think the ticket should be coveted. Yeah, I don't he, think it should be, you know, you can just go by your, you know, your local convenience store and, and find somebody saying, you know what, here, I'm just giving these tickets away because, you know, couldn't get rid of them. Dude, you know? As a season ticket holder, trust me, if they're going to put more money into, into the place, I'd rather it enhance my experience than just add 100000 just to add 100000 Now, the first time Alabama comes to town, would OU be able to pack in 100000 to that place? I have no doubt about it. And this is nothing against OU fans. I mean, it's just being realistic here. Would OU be able to pack in 100000 you know, week six against Vanderbilt, right? You know, week nine against Mississippi State, whenever it is. There are games where 100,000 people could fit into that. But I just don't – I don't view it as a big deal. I know Texas, you know, they, they – like, look at Texas, for example. And OU fans are, are far better, far more loyal than Texas fans are. They're very fickle down there. But Texas expanded to 100,000 just to expand to 100,000 because A&M did that. And how many times do we make fun of them during the season with all this giant, this giant stadium they have and all these empty seats? Like, no, just in, enhance the experience for the people that are there. We're not talking about 40,000, Travis. We're not talking about 45,000. We're talking about over 85,000 packed into that place. That's good. That's enough. And, yeah, it would be technically the ninth largest stadium in the SEC, but who cares, man? That's just fine. Clemson has around the same capacity as OU. It does not matter. It's about the experience that you can get. More than anything, like 87,000 could sound like 100,000. You just got to get people you know, into the football game, you know? Yeah, and, and to your point about can we pack it against Alabama, of course. But for those of you that don't know much about me, my background is restaurants. I currently uh, own a sports bar and grill in South Tulsa, Trey's Bar and Grill. Um, and when we were designing the place, we had an opportunity to take more space. And we thought, okay, if we take this amount of space, there's some, some local youth sports parks down the road. There's, there's a big event center across from us. We're right next to a massive gym that's you know, got a big pool with all families in it and whatnot. We thought, man, on, on a Friday and Saturday night, you know, we could pack this place out. But you're left, you know, Sunday through Thursday with a half-full restaurant. But the problem is you pay the same rent on no Sunday doubt, as you do on Friday. Same, so that's what 
I would rather Alabama. Sure, we're going to pack out Alabama. Cool. Are you are you willing to have even five thousand empty seats, ten thousand empty seats the rest of the year, so you can get those in the seats against Alabama? So th- that's where I think I would rather just again as a season ticket holder myself. I would just rather the experience get better. And and what is an extra 15,000 people, 20,000 people going to do to those lines? Going to do to the – I mean, we, we had people in Nebraska last year that missed whole quarters yep. trying trying to get water. So Well, I the mean, metal detectors at the spring game, some people didn't file in. Yeah. You would know, add 13 had, more thousand yeah. to the equation. We, <laughs> we, had, we had a guy that was stuck at the gates, and, and, and he left that game saying that Micah Bowen should be the starter because he missed all of Dylan yeah. Gabriel's snaps yeah, exactly. and said he liked Micah Bowen. So you run into those risks. But when we talk about how we, how we rank in the SEC, I would rather our trophy case look better than other teams than having my stadium have more seats. But also – you say we'd be ranked ninth. Well, so if we were to, if we were to put two mystery teams uh, into into the rankings, they would rank eleventh and twelfth. Those mystery teams, eleventh would be Arrowhead, the Kansas City Chiefs, yeah, and twelfth would be the Seattle Seahawks. Those are the two loudest stadiums in football. I mean, they're. When you look at the decibels and everything like that, they're constantly competing. And for those of us that have been to Arrowhead for either Chiefs games or for Big 12 championships, anything like that, when they're back when they were held there, that place gets plenty loud. And Seattle gets plenty loud. Obviously, the they talk about the architecture and, and all this. But I promise you, if you get 85,000 super engaged fans that understand that their ticket is more valuable because there are less of them, that's simple supply and demand, and, and and they come with just a better experience and they can be louder, our 85,000 can be louder than any of the stadiums in front of us. You know who brags about how big their stadium is? Losers. Losers. I was about to say it, but I was like... Losers uh, uh, brag yeah, about exactly. how big their stadium is because literally, if you have to brag about how large your stadium is, it probably means you have nothing else to bring to the table when it comes to smack talk. So schools like Texas A&M, that's, that's like yeah. they like to brag about 100,000 plus. Texas likes to brag about it. Hell, I'm sure Tennessee does because they haven't done a damn thing in over 20 years. Those are the schools yeah, that brag Baker about... Yeah, Baker broke them. Baker broke them. Those are the schools that like to say, oh yeah, we're well, a stadium's over a hundred thousand plus. Shut up, sit down. You have nothing else to talk about other than yeah. That. We talk. I mean, you talk about big stadiums. Obviously, the Big House uh, in Michigan comes to mind. Do you do you think those Michigan fans were were happier talking about how big their stadium was, or do you think they would have rather just beat Ohio State a few more times? Yeah, just probably just like a I'm, few more I'm, times. I'm pretty I'm knocked pre- it back down eighty five thousand and have some yeah, more success. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Ohio. they would have made that trade off, and not to say that that the two are are related by any means, but I do think I would rather instead of just um, you know putting a bigger lift on a truck that's already tall. Why don't you just? Uh, why don't you just? I don't know. Uh, upgrade some of the other amenities in the truck. Make it a little smoother ride. Make it a little more comfortable. You know, it doesn't have to always just be excess, excess, excess. You know, quality, uh, quality still matters. Text line, easy on upgrading the bathrooms. I love peeing in troughs. Just maybe add ice to them so steam comes off. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's from the four seven nine. Uh, Tyler and Travis. Uh, thanks so much. Hold on, let me. Thanks so much, Travis, for being there, so Teddy can do his yard work. That's from Jimmy <laughs> in Tulsa. Yeah, 
Um, I would rather find ways to allow more tailgating closer to the stadium than more seating. Amen. No, no doubt, man. There's no doubt about that. Trey's is bomb. Went there for the first time a couple weeks ago, and I'll be back. I think he's a Tulsa Union guy also, so go Union. The Theta at Trey's, um, top-notch. Just going to go ahead and say that. Yep, yep, that Theta yep. sauce by itself is legit. You slap it on a burger, and uh, ooh, buddy, it's it's awesome. I rubbed some of my hair before I came here. Do you? I Can you bring some next time? Oh, yeah, next I'll bring Friday? a bottle next time, Man, no doubt. Is Travis wearing a Taco Bell t-shirt? No, that's Teddy that wears the Taco Bell t-shirt two to three times a week. Travis is uh, rocking the very popular Oklahoma vs. the World t-shirt. Shout out Sooner Gridiron. Which he is uh, listening today, by the way, as well. So, hey, keep the, keep the text coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We love it. 405-651-3439. More college football coming up on the other side. It is the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. It is a Friday on The Rush, live on The Ref. We are the Homeless Sooner fans. Travis Davidson in for Teddy today and for several Fridays coming up throughout the spring and summer. Tyler McComas alongside. We are in the Brown O'Haver studio. And, uh, yeah, you beat Iowa State in softball earlier today, 5-0. They're in the championship game tomorrow in Oklahoma City at the Big 12 tournament. Uh, Joey Helmer247 on Twitter, Joey Helmer of OUinsider.com, tweets this out. Oklahoma will not use Jordy Ball this weekend as she's sore, and they're also trying to get more innings for Hope Troutwine and Nicole May. With that said, I would expect Nicole May to start the championship game tomorrow. So that's that's interesting. If if Jordy Ball is is sore, if she needs some extra rest. Before the NCAA tournament, I mean, here's the reality. You can never take anything for granted, Travis. But this is a great lineup with a great staff outside of Jordy Ball. So the luxury of this team being the number one overall seed is that you could rest her this weekend, and most likely you'll be able to rest her next week during regionals. But getting to that super regional, man, it's pretty important that you get Jordy Ball ready to go at least, at least, at least, at least by the time the WCWS starts. Yeah, I mean, she's been so electric for us and and, and really fun to watch. I mean, she's got – I know it's been talked about a lot, but she's got a lot of Baker in her. I mean, it's she's got that swagger that's just – and the thing is, a lot of people can have swagger, but it's it doesn't hit the same unless you're dominant. Yeah. And, and she's dominant, you have to be able to back that up. Um, so, yeah, it, have to have her back by, by the World Series, no doubt. Uh, would love to have her in the Super Regional. Um, but, you know, health, health matters. You know, you got to be healthy. And, and pitching especially is just such a mental game, and so much of her game, is that you don't want her thinking about an injury – distracted, anything like that. You need her locked in, and she's been so good for us this year. I hope, hopefully uh, she feels much better quickly. But, I mean, it's it's interesting because with how good our whole team is, um, you know, sometimes you can think, man, 
you know, it's kind of an embarrassment at riches at some points. You, you start to think, well, if she sits, could this team still win a national title? Absolutely. I, be- I believe yeah. they could. But you, you don't want to find out first. But second, what does that do to somebody's mentality if OU just starts reeling off win after win and she continues to sit, um, you know, nursing some soreness and they keep reeling it off, keep reeling it off, you know, does that affect her mentality at all saying – well, man, it, I guess they don't even need me here. Like, we can't have, we can't put that at risk because we absolutely um, are in need of Jordy Ball. She takes us to a whole new level of that kind of Rushmore of, col- of college softball team. Yeah, uh, Hope Troutwine, by the way, had an ERA of .09. Um, I, I, it was. It, it's around that area now. She she was she went seven innings today and didn't allow a run. So she's got like a sub point two five ERA. So I I mean Jordy Ball is Jordy Ball. I mean she's one of the best pitchers in the country. But statistically, Hope Troutwine is every bit of a ace as you can ask for. So they're going to be okay. And a big development happened last weekend, by the way. Nicole May has been the third pitcher on this team, but she's been good this year. But there was a situation last week, game three against Oklahoma State. Bases were loaded. I think OU was up 5-2, to 5-3. to three. Bases were loaded, one out, and Nicole May got out of that inning. Yeah, and then she comes too. back in in the seventh inning, and she shuts Oklahoma State down. So where it's been looked at this year as Jordy and Hope, as the 1-2, that's who's going to take you to the national championship in the circle. The fact that Nicole May had that big moment, I think not only gave her the confidence that she might need going into the postseason – but Patty Gasso some confidence, too, saying, hey, if I need to call upon her, how she's performed this season, but especially the last time she was out, we got confidence that she can get it done. So this is not just an emergency push-the-panic-button situation because OU is three deep, at least I think in the circle, and you don't, you don't find that in college softball. That didn't exist. Yeah, when you, when you look at I believe uh, we had – three pitchers in the top ten of the ERA this year. At one point, it may be the case now, but at one point late in the season, all three of our our, our top three pitchers had a sub-one ERA, which is absurd. Um, So, yeah, you get that confidence going in right at the right time, right? Sometimes, you know, an injury or even some soreness, something like that, can really help develop some depth at a position. You know, we've seen that across all sports. So, yeah, I mean, I think I guess we only have one loss to point to, you know, all year, and that was, you know, that was a series where our, you know, Tiara Jennings and Jocelyn Allo, I think, were like one of twenty-one yep. or something like that in that series. I would, I would be willing to put a lot of money that those two will not go twenty-one straight at bats <laughs> again yeah, combined right. with only one hit. So something, something as insane as that had to happen for us to lose one. So, um, like I said, I, I have total confidence and in, in hope and in, uh, Nicole May. And, and like I said, it, it sometimes doesn't matter because sometimes the bats are just that good. And, and they are. I mean, they're the deepest lineup. And that's, you know, the, you look at a lot of other lineups in college softball and you can say, well, there's about three or four hitters in this order that can go deep on you. One through nine. Well, Riley Boone is it someone that wants to hit the ball out of the park but legitimately like they got eight hitters that can hit the ball out yeah. of the park anytime yeah. and Riley Boone's one of the faster players that you're going to find in the right. conference she's she's really good and a great great defensive uh, outfielder as well uh text line they're asking if Trey's has any booty fries <laughs> 
Nope. Uh, no, no booty fries yet, uh, but we'll see. If he, uh, if he gets some PT, maybe we'll get a little NIL, uh, um, some booty things on the menu. Peyton says, Travis, you going to set up a ref tailgate for us all to meet up and have some tomahawks and bush lights on game days? <laughs> well, of course. We can make something like that happen. Depends on, uh, you know, any pre- or post-game uh, um, stuff going on. But, hey, the, the smokers do travel to Norman. We know that all too well. Now this is in the nine. Yeah, we, yeah. That, we uh, this is from the nine one eight. So a little bit biased, but it does say Travis's voice is so smooth, <laughs> makes me happy. Oh man, oh man. And they've 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 been in the text line a bunch. It seems so. You know, they're they're not new. Travis, I need a steak or I need a restaurant or steakhouse idea for my one year wedding anniversary. Thank you. That's from Daniel. I got you. Yeah, we'll uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get all the restaurant recommendations worked out. Uh, we'll, maybe we have to have a segment for this or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jordy did an Instagram ad for Academy and didn't move her right arm for the entire video. There may be more reason for concern than just sitting a weekend. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure it's – yeah, I, I'm sure that there's something going on there, not just soreness and, you know, they wanted to rest her this weekend. Trust me, they want to go win the Big 12 championship. There's their best option. And they would pitch her tomorrow if she was available. So this is a situation that I'm going to, to monitor. For yeah, sure. of course. And there aren't a lot of coaches, you know, for probably good reason, that are just 100% open and honest about every injury. Yeah. Just, I mean. The, what coach is open and honest no, exactly. about every single injury? Exactly. I haven't found one yet. Exactly. And because it's a competitive disadvantage. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I applaud the deep dive onto the Academy Instagram ad. That's, I mean, that's some impressive work right there. Um, but, you know, it's it's tough to diagnose anything. You just, all you can do is monitor it and, and hope she gets healthy quickly and hope she's able to go because she's, there's there's not another one like her. Uh, in the country. Shane from Newcastle says, Travis' voice sounds like a young James Earl Jones. Wow, the compliments are just flowing today. I don't think anyone's going to top that one, though. A young young James Earl Jones. But, man, would you say his voice got better over time? I don't know. It's one of those, like, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I do appreciate the compliment. I, I, I think just take the t- compliment, I'll take man. it. I'll don't, take don't, it and run. Don't look to, too far into no, it, I man. Won't. That's awesome. I won't. All right. Hey, you guys have been awesome today on the Air Coverage Solutions text line. As always, keep it coming. 405-651-3439. We're on the air till 6 p.m. this evening. We're taking you into the weekend. We'll keep you updated on that Oklahoma State-Texas game starting in about 10 minutes. But you know what we're doing. We're talking a whole lot of college football. We're talking a whole lot of Sooners on the other side. So keep it locked on the home of Sooner fans. We are the ref. And the big story of the day comes on the recruiting front. All the jokes have been flying today. General Booty, yes, he is on campus for a visit, junior college quarterback. Uh, I've always been a Booty guy, uh, Travis. Uh, th- those those jokes have been there. I have claimed that I will buy a General Booty jersey if he ends up committing to OU. But no one really wants to talk about if he's a good player or not. It doesn't really seem like anyone cares. It's down to OU and New Mexico for his services, but... I think everyone is just hoping and praying that General Booty ends up a Sooner. Well, I mean, he led JUCO in passing yards. That's got to count for something. And I know people want to say, 
Uh, well, it was against JUCO competition, but he also had a JUCO offensive line on his side and JUCO wide receivers on his side and a JUCO offensive coordinator calling plays, a JUCO head coach. So it, it's kind of like what we dealt with with um, when, when Dylan Gabriel was first transferring over. All of us were like, man, this guy is the truth. He's throwing for over you know, 8,000 yards and 70 touchdowns, and he's never had a passer rating below 168, like efficiency rating. And people are like, well, you know, it's, it's against UCF's competition. Well, yeah, but it was also with UCF's players. Like, I mean, I don't – it's it's an upgrade. He'll have a better offensive line here. He'll have better receivers. He'll have the same play caller, of course, because Levy was calling those plays. That's how he ends up at Norman. Um, but but that's what's always interesting to me. You always hear about their competition, and you never hear about sure. their weapons and, and their offensive it, line. It is, fair, it is definitely fair to say on a week-in, week-out basis that Dylan Gabriel will face better defenses yes. than he did in the American. That's 100% accurate to say, but it's also 100% accurate to say, especially with the way that I feel about OU's wide receiver and running back core this year, he hasn't played next to anything like that before. So I, I think he'll he'll be just fine. He'll well, be just fine. The only worry about him, and it's not just a worry, it's just he has to stay healthy this year. But in terms of what my concerns are with this team, Dylan Gabriel's performance falls pretty far down the list, to be completely honest with you. Of course, and, and obviously the doomsday scenario is that he gets injured. I do think that if we put more packages in to get the bevdozer the ball uh, in short-yarded situations, that's going to ensure that health. Um, but, but, yeah, I've, I've – there's no lack of confidence in Dylan Gabriel. There's no doubt about that. And speaking to your point about the wide receivers in the wide receiver room is you've got a guy like Theo East who stayed in town over spring break to work with Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel was in town too. And they went out, just those two, and then uh, the former director of player personnel, um, that's now Dylan's um, kind of agent, if you will, um, was in town helping him out, go through some workouts. Um, but – they uh, were just in town, and he said, I've never seen him throw to a guy like Theo yeah. Weiss before. This is an NFL guy. So that's definitely going to come through. Hour two's next.